Well, good morning. Uh, Again, I'm Camper Mundy, associate pastor here, and it is my joy to to once again welcome you and once again to wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, Christmas really is a wonderful season, and uh, as you all know, one that is definitely marked by giving and receiving. Of course, when I reflect on that, I think there was a lot more receiving when I was a kid, and now that I'm an adult, there's a lot more giving, Uh, but but you know what I mean, A, a wonderful season. And just as was pointed out earlier, as we, as we got into our singing, as, as John was pointing out, it's about so much more than what we give and receive under a Christmas tree or what we get in our stockings or give in those stockings. But ultimately, we celebrate God giving himself to us in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And this is a gift that we receive by faith. And as we receive this gift, we are enabled by him to then turn around and to give, to give through him. As we receive, we give. But do you ever feel like you've gotten to the point where you've got nothing left to give? You're spent. All the presents are opened. Uh, There is nothing left. You are exhausted. Some people call that December 26th. Uh, for us today, it would be December 27th. But seriously, do you, do you ever feel overwhelmed with life? Uh, in, inadequate. Uh, inadequate for the task at hand, maybe discouraged, maybe frustrated, flat out exhausted, like you're running on empty. Well, today we're going to look at, at a wonderful story. And again, as, as was pointed out, Miracles continue to happen because our God is a God who provides for his people. And so we're going to look at the story of Jesus taking what little the disciples had and multiplying it to provide abundantly for them and also through them. So we're looking at the story of the miracle known as the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this is the only miracle that is found in each of the four Gospels. Uh, And this morning, we're going to look at the account as it's found in Mark's gospel. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's found on page 841. Uh, But before we hear God's word, let's take a moment to come to him in prayer. So please join me. Our gracious God, we do come this morning and we celebrate. Thanking you that you have given us yourself in Jesus. And Lord, we know that, that we, we only have anything in our lives, anything to give, to live for, because it is you who gives to us first, who fills us. And so we ask that you would do that once again this morning. Uh, that you would, would meet us, opening us to your word and your word to us. That our hearts would not only be challenged Uh, But, Lord, that we would continue to be changed in light of the gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. So I invite you to hear the word of God from Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. 
Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the villages and towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send the people away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is God's word. Well, I invite you to to now join me and let's walk together uh, through this story. Uh, It begins verses 30 and 31. We see that the the disciples have have returned to Jesus. They've come to him. They are reporting all that they have done and taught. And if we were to look back a bit further in in chapter 6, we would see that For the first time, Jesus has sent his 12. He has sent them out on their own without him. He has sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God in word and deed. And so they have gone with his blessing, his anointing. They have cast out demons. They have healed the sick. They have preached the good news of God's kingdom uh, through repentance and faith. And so they've returned and, and they are celebrating a successful evangelistic mission. Joyful, yes, they are so full of joy, but also exhausted. They are spent. They have given everything that they had. It's December 26th. Well, Jesus's response to their fatigue is to invite them to a quiet place for some rest. And so we move on into verses 32 through 34, and we see at the beginning that Jesus is pulling the disciples out of the urgent demands of life for rest with him, something that I'm sure the disciples were excited about, a time away, a quiet place, a time for restoration. But then their retreat gets interrupted. There's a great crowd gathered at the place where they were going away for some peace and quiet. And they begin to get irritated because other people get in the way. You know how it is. Sometimes life would just be so much easier if it weren't for everybody else. But when Jesus sees the people, he sees an opportunity to love, not an obstacle to overcome. Verse 34, it says that Jesus has compassion On this group of people. He has compassion on them. He saw them and his heart was moved. But it actually goes a bit further than that. 
because the, the word used here in the Greek language is it's very strong. It's an intense word, only used 11 times in the New Testament and only used in reference to Jesus or to those who resemble Jesus, uh, as in the parables. Because it is more than merely an emotion, but rather where emotion and action come together. Where someone is moved at a gut level to respond, to do something because they care, because their heart has been moved and now their life is following suit. And so in compassion, Jesus addresses the people's spiritual need, their spiritual hunger, by teaching them. By speaking the good news of God's kingdom into their hearts and lives. Well, then we get to verses 35 through 38. And it's now late in the day. Remember, their retreat has been interrupted. And as far as the disciples are concerned, Jesus' teaching is probably going on a little too long for their liking. And they're becoming more irritated. They can only think practically and selfishly. I mean, remember, they're hungry. Back in verse 30, we, 31, we read that there was so much coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. So what do they do? They command Jesus. They tell the God of the universe how to run his show. Jesus, send the people away so that they can buy themselves something to eat. And how does Jesus respond? Verse 37. You give them something to eat. What? What? That would take 200 denarii. That would take eight months of a man's wages. In other words, that would take about $50,000 if you made $75,000 a year. That's a lot of money. Jesus does not even address their objection. He simply asks, how much bread do you have? Five loaves. And two fishes. That's all we've got. Pessimism, frustration, unbelief, intensifying. And yet these are Hebrew people. And they are missing something huge that any Jew of their day should see. God's faithfulness again and again and again to provide for his people. And in particular, for their hunger. You know the story in Exodus. God's provision of manna when, they were, when Israel was wandering in the wilderness. And then there's God's provision of food through Elisha. Uh, which Brian Simpers highlighted just a few weeks ago in adult ed. Now in reference to Elisha, I invite you just to hear this brief account. You don't have to turn there, but you can just hear it in 2 Kings. 2 Kings 4, we come across this account. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give it to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated himself, Give it to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. 
This is their story. This is their heritage. The story that God is writing into their lives. Have they forgotten who they are with? Have they lost sight of God's ability to feed his people? Have they forgotten that Jesus, who just empowered them and sent them on a triumphant mission for his kingdom in his name? Have they lost sight of God's perfect goodness, never-ending faithfulness, abundant provision? Have they settled to live within the confines of human understanding rather than finding hope in the limitlessness of Almighty God? And what about you this morning? Have you lost sight of who God is? Have you lost sight of Him in the the midst of life's struggles and uncertainties? Maybe you're facing a, a particular task, a particular responsibility, a situation, maybe a setback. And it's just so overwhelming because you know you do not have what is needed to deal with that situation at hand. Like the disciples, we often find it difficult to really trust Jesus, especially when we are pressed to give what we just do not have to give. But giving always begins with receiving. Giving always begins with receiving. And so let's move to the story's climax. Picking back up with verse verse 39. Then Jesus commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. In compassion, Jesus not only addresses the people's spiritual need by teaching them, but he also addresses the people's physical need by feeding them. Very real food for very real physical hunger. Did you notice Jesus involves the reluctant, irritated disciples in preparing the people for a meal, pushing the limits of the disciples' patience and faith when they most need to trust him. He takes what little they have. He offers thanks to the Father. He breaks the bread and the fish, and then he gives the food to the disciples to distribute to the people. Verse 42 says they ate and were satisfied. This was a full meal. This was not a little airline snack. Verse 43, there were basketfuls of leftovers. They ended with more than they had started with. And Mark is careful to note that there were 12 basketfuls left over. The number 12 being a, a number of fullness and completion for the ancient Hebrews. Because Mark is declaring our God is a God of fullness and completion. And then verse 44. 
5,000 men, not including women and children, were fed that day. A couple of the other gospel writers note that it doesn't include the women and children who were there. So we're talking about maybe around 15, upwards of 20,000 people were fed that day with five loaves and two fish. Okay, imagine yourself for a moment in a sports arena. Maybe you've gone to a basketball game. Sports arena sits 15 to 20,000 people, and there is nothing to eat in the entire place, except somebody has five hot dogs and two buns. Okay, Jesus just takes those dogs and those buns and feeds everybody in the entire sports complex, including those in the nosebleed section. Everybody eats because our God is a God of abundant goodness, abundant provision, just when we need it. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the great golfer Arnold Palmer. And uh, back in the day, Arnold Palmer, uh, Jack Nicholas had a great rivalry going on. And, uh, of course, at that time, the, the sport of golf was not as, as well received throughout the country. And, and the season was really not as long as it is today. They had a much longer off season, And during their off offseason, uh, these men would travel around to introduce the game of golf in places in, in the U.S. where it was not yet popular. Uh, but they would also travel overseas. They, they would go internationally promoting the, the game of golf and being goodwill ambassadors uh, for the U.S. Well, I, I heard this story several years ago, uh, but Ar- Arnold Palmer was once invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to come introduce the game of golf. And so he went and spent some time in Saudi Arabia uh, introducing the game of golf, putting on some clinics, playing in a tournament. And at the end of his stay, one of the king's servants came up to him and said, Mr. Palmer, what gift would you like to receive from our king before you leave? And he said, oh, no, no, no. I, I can't receive a gift. Uh, you've already given me so much. You've put me up in, in the palace. You've treated me like royalty. You've given me the opportunity to, to share a, a, of one of my great loves, the game of golf. And Oh, no, 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 but Mr. Palmer, you will greatly offend our king if you do not receive a gift from him. And so Arnold Palmer thought to himself and He's a professional golfer. He's got a great collection of, uh, of golf clubs. And he said, I tell you what, I would love an original Saudi Arabian golf club. And the servant said, consider it done. So the next day, Arnold Palmer said goodbye to the king. He was uh, boarding his plane. And just as he was getting on the plane, the servant came up and handed him a piece of paper. And he sat down on the plane. He opened it up. And there before him was the deed to an 18-hole golf course. An original Saudi Arabian golf club. I think I'm going to ask for some golf clubs next Christmas. But think about it for a moment. If an earthly king knows how to give abundantly, how much more does the God of the universe know how to provide abundantly for his children? He knows what we need, and He provides for us. Verse 37. You give them something to eat. Did they? Yes. Yes, they did. Jesus enabled them to give by taking what little they had and multiplying it. You you see, apart from Jesus, they could do nothing. 
Now, Jesus could have simply made the bread appear in everyone's hands, but he didn't. He chose to give the ministry to the disciples. Well, as we come to the end of this passage, for just a moment, I I want us to take a closer look at verse 41. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now, I've heard some different interpretations of this miracle before. Maybe you have as well. One of those which in many ways demiracalizes the miracle. One of the interpretations goes like this. There, I believe it's the gospel writer John that talks about there's a, there's a young boy who provides the, the fish and the, and the loaves. And so this one interpretation says that the real miracle was the sharing of what this, this little boy had. Because really everyone already had bread and fish with them. They just, you know, kept it in their cloaks or their sacks and didn't want to share. So that the real miracle was the miracle of generosity. But that's really to miss the point. Uh, As each of the gospel writers tells it, and particularly here as Mark tells it, that's to miss the point because these people had not planned for a while to go to this great revival on the hillside. They had not packed a picnic lunch to go have when it got late in the day. In fact, Mark notes, as, as you remember, The disciples are aware of this. They say, Jesus, the people do not have anything to eat. You need to send them away. So so that interpretation doesn't work. Now, another one that I think is a a fine interpretation and one that we uh, typically see, maybe you've seen a film or a television series on the life of Jesus. And so what ends up happening in this, this scene is, of course, there's the multitude there. And the loaves and the fish are brought to Jesus. And then Jesus gives a basket to each of the disciples. And each of the disciples then goes, goes out into the, the great crowd. And they reach in and they hand out bread and they hand out fish. And they hand out more bread and they hand out more fish. And it's this basket never goes empty. It's like this bottomless pit. There's just more bread and more fish there. And it would be as if, say, you've got 15,000 cups of water that you've got to serve. Nancy, we won't put this on the events team. But you go down to the James River. You dip in a cup. You hand it out. You dip in another cup. You hand it out. After 15,000 cups of water, you probably don't notice that the level of the James River has gone down at all. It's an abundant reservoir. And so I think we often look at maybe that's what's going on. But listen closely for this. A bit more literal, uh, this, is, this is how the Greek more closely would read. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. Did you hear that? He said a blessing He broke the loaves and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. He kept giving. It's a continuous action. Maybe you're reading along in the NASB. Herb, you got your New American Standard today? All right. Well, the NASB picks this up. It's a a continuous action. 
And so I believe a better interpretation is a continual filling. You see, the disciples' baskets became empty. They had to return to Jesus because he kept giving them the bread and the fish so that they could give it to the rest of the people to eat. So you're back in the sports arena. Jesus at center court. The disciples have come forward. They've got their baskets. He's filled up the baskets and they go out. And they really only get a few rows in in each of those sections. And then they've got to go back to Jesus. And he fills them again. And they go back out to the next section of rows. And to the next section. And they keep going until every one is filled. But the disciples are always connected to. Always in concert with. Always relating to Jesus. The disciples had to receive. Again and again and again. Before they were able to give again and again and again. You see where I'm going with this. Like the disciples, we must receive daily before we are able to give. We must stay connected to the source of life. We must continually go to Jesus that he might continually fill our baskets. You may have already felt it. December 26th, basket fills empty. It might just be. Go to Jesus. How do you need your basket filled this morning? Where where are you struggling to trust Jesus? Maybe it's something financial. Or medical. Maybe it's something relational, something going on in, with your family or some friends. Maybe it's vocational. What is the Lord doing in my job? I've lost my job. Maybe you've experienced or you are experiencing a loss or a challenge that is so profound It feels like someone has grabbed your basket, turned it upside down, and emptied it of everything. There is nothing left. I am spent. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you how so often when that happens to me, I just try to just hunker down and pull myself up by the bootstraps, and I want to be independent. I can make this thing work. I can fill up that empty basket. Because my life preference so often is to be self-sufficient rather than to be Christ-sufficient or or Christ-dependent. So often my preference is to only have to go to Jesus once. Would you fill my basket? I've got to get out there. There are a lot of things that I need to attend to. Would you provide for me now so that I won't need you later? Would you provide for me now so that I won't need you later? And that's not the gospel. You know, I I remember once sharing this this struggle of mine, the the struggle of of wanting to just live life independently. I'm I'm self-sufficient. I'm I'm a competent person. I was sharing this with a friend of mine who's a, a missionary in Central Asia. 
where day in and day out, it is just so clear to him that he is facing tasks that he just doesn't have the resources to deal with them. And he listened to me for a little while, and then he looked at me and he said, Camper, you must do what you cannot do with what you do not have for the rest of your life. But Jesus will do what he can do with what he does have through you for the rest of your life. You must do what you cannot do with what you do not have for the rest of your life. But Jesus will do what he can do with what he does have in you and through you for the rest of your life. And that is the good news. You see, ultimately, God provides abundantly for us through Jesus. The one who was born where? In Bethlehem. A name that literally means house of bread. The one who himself is the bread of life for those who will trust in him. Just as Jesus provided for the people by the breaking of this bread in compassion, Jesus has provided for us through the breaking of his body on a cross that we might be forgiven of our sin, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might know, that we might come to know real life and true joy of daily dependence on him and his daily provision for us. And you know, it's this life-giving provision that we proclaim every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. When we share in that broken bread at the communion table. When we remember His death. When we celebrate His resurrection. And when we anticipate His return. When He comes back to make all things right. Now, I realize that some of you here this morning, you're not yet disciples of Jesus. You haven't yet put your trust in him. Maybe you've been coming here for for some time. Uh, Maybe you're just in town visiting family or friends and they drug you to church. And this is the last place that you wanted to end up this morning. Well, in, in many ways, you're like the crowd. You're on the outside, so to speak. Jesus is an interesting figure. Maybe he's, he's gotten your attention, but you're still not quite sure what to, to make out about him. Well, Jesus says that you are like sheep without a shepherd. You're wandering. You need direction. But friend, let, let me tell you, Jesus is a good shepherd. The good shepherd who has had compassion on you, who longs to teach you and guide you and feed you to give you new life. Receive Jesus, the true bread of life. Trusting him for the forgiveness of your sin and restoring what you know you need, a right relationship with God. Now, for those of us who are Christians, we we are followers of Jesus. We're a lot like the 12 disciples here. We're we're on the inside, so to speak. We believe, but sometimes it is just so hard. Sometimes it is just so hard. 
Jesus is our life-giving provider. Trust Him. Trust Him. He calls us outside of our comfort zone all the time, doesn't He? He calls us to participate in His redemptive work, to give of ourselves for others. To give of ourselves out of what we don't have in and of ourselves, but of what He provides for us. To give of ourselves for our families, for our friends, for the people in our neighborhood, including those we don't like, for the people that we work with, that we play with at our, at our schools. But first and continually, we must receive from Him. So go to Jesus to fill your basket. Go to Him in prayer, a posture of dependence, open hands to, to receive and then to give. Go to Him through His Word, His life-giving Word spoken to us and then through us. And let's go to Him together. Is the body of Christ, men and women reconciled to God and, and learning to live within the rhythms of reconciliation with one another. Go to Him again and again and again. Because remember the good news. You must do what you cannot do with what you do not have for the rest of your life. But Jesus will do what He can do with what He does have through you for the rest of your life. That's the good news. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And we thank you that you have answered that prayer completely and fully in Jesus. And so we pray. We receive and we give in Jesus' name. Amen.